Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. So on this Transfiguration Sunday, which is a very large word that sometimes is confusing for us to understand, we do have two scriptures that we're going to share um, together this morning. The first comes from 2 Kings, from the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. You're welcome to follow along with the words on the screen or simply allow these words to fall upon your ears or use the Pew Bible, page 460, to follow along. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gagal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And Elisha said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. And Elijah responded, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, Elisha grabbed his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Our second scripture reading comes to us from the gospel according to Mark from the ninth chapter, verses two through nine. So six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses who were talking with Jesus Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he didn't know what to say, for they were terrified. 
Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. These are the words of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for the gift of your presence amongst us, for the Holy Spirit that moves and binds us together, that it will open and reveal to us what you would have us here this day through the reading of your scripture and through the spoken word that we share together. So may the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we could look at this, and you know, um, Transfiguration Sunday happens every year. It is part of our liturgical calendar. It is part of the year. It is the last Sunday before Ash Wednesday. It is what prepares us to move into the season of Lent. Obviously, the colors have changed. The pyramids are white. Um, and it's a significant day. And so we often hear the same scripture every year. Just like on Christmas Eve, we hear the same scripture every year. Or when we hit Ash Wednesday or Easter, it's the same scripture every year. And then it's that question of, well, can we hear something new from the reading of the same scripture we read every year? Right? And sometimes we know that. We come to scripture, a passage that we've read before, we're so familiar with it, and then something changes. We focus in on a word that we hadn't paid attention to before, or we hear something come out of that scripture. They're like, wait, has that always been there? Because we are so familiar that oftentimes we lose the nuances or how the Holy Spirit will reveal things to us in a different way. And so for today, for transfiguration, we often focus on the light right? We focus about Jesus taking his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, up that high mountain. And in that time, Jesus is transfigured where his clothes are so white that you could not bleach them. Now for me, and having had kids, it is impossible to keep my whites white. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can throw bleach in there. You can throw OxyClean in there. Hottest water you could possibly get. But eventually, you cannot keep those things as white as they were when you first received them. And that's frustrating for me um, because it shows wear and tear. And, oh, I'm going to have to replace this. And yet here we're hearing that in a time where laundry doing was probably pretty difficult. Am I right? That in that time and context for Jesus, that laundry would have been done at, the, at, a, at a well or at a local water source or, you know, even in the Jordan. And, and to be honest with you, it was probably not the cleanest water, which means that the robes of Jesus would have had that dingy feel or look to them, right? Just because 
that was the nature of the laundry system. They didn't have OxyClean or bleach back then, right? At least not that I know of. Um, And yet in this experience, what happens to Jesus's clothes? They become so white and bright and light that it is something that just takes Peter, James, and John by total surprise. And they don't know how to respond because this moment doesn't make sense to them. They can't wrap their head around it. And so Peter comes up with the only thing that he could say, and that's, hey, we should build a tent for you and for Elijah and for Moses because he didn't know what else to say. They were all terrified by what they were seeing. And sometimes in those moments of we're seeing something for the first time we've never seen before, we're experiencing something for the first time, or something is so out of what we would expect that sometimes we just say dumb things, right? Because it's just one of those, uh, we should go down the street. And you're just like, what are you talking about? Um, And I think this is one of those moments, too, where Peter and James and John were so overwhelmed by their experience that they just, words failed them. And I think that's true for a lot of us, that there are situations where words simply fail us. And and that's when we can lean into the text from 2 Kings, because here you have a mentor-mentee relationship, Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah's very clearly knows what his path is going to look like, right? And he's trying to convince this young guy, you got to stay here. I'm going to go on. And he said, no, as long as I live, I'm not leaving you. I am going with you. So they keep traveling, right? But we also hear that when they get to the next place, whether it be Bethel or Jericho or the Jordan, there's a crowd of prophets who are able to see who these two people are and the dynamic that's going between them. They say very clearly, and we know that the prophets were speaking on behalf of God, but also on behalf of people to say, and if their words were recorded, it was so that when they came to fruition, when they came to be shown truthful, then they knew that they were actually prophets of God. And so for them to say, you know, he's going to leave you. And how does Alicia respond? Shh. I know. Be quiet. How many times do we shush someone because they're telling us something we know but we don't really want to deal with? And we go, shh, I know. I know. I can't deal with that right now. Right? And so then they go on to the next place. And what do the prophets say again? You know he's going to be taken away from you. And what does Alicia say? I know, shh, be quiet. And then he travels on to the next place. So we see this range of emotion of what it means to be so committed to your mentor or as a mentee to this walk working relationship, right? We see this with Jesus, with Peter, James, and John, and yet Peter stumbles, doesn't he? We know this because Peter denies Jesus later on. But we see this connection of relationship, of, of what we would call passing on the mantle, right? So what does Elijah do? He takes off his mantle and he rolls it up and he uses it to part the water so that Elijah and Elisha can cross 
to the other side. When we hear this, what does it echo? Where else have we heard a similar story like this? Moses, that is right. That when God heard the cries of his people in Egypt, he chose Moses, an unlikely person, to go and help them be freed from the powers of Egypt. And it was in the power of the staff that Moses was able to part the waters and they were able to cross to safety. So we see both in the second Kings and in our reading from Mark, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. That the work that began with Moses was handed off through the prophets to Elijah, which is referenced here and seen with the work that is being done by Jesus. Today I am wearing this stole Um, One, because it's liturgically appropriate, it matches the white pyramids. Um, But more importantly, because this was a gift to me. When I was in divinity school, we were required to do field ed placements. And I went through three different field ed supervisors in the two years that I spent in one place because they went through pastoral changes. um, And it was hard. And before um, the last one, his name was Chuck Killian, and he had written uh, lots of books and had taught preaching and all kinds of things. But he said, I'm going to retire for the fourth time because they kept calling him back, right? Just take this part-time place just to see them through, right? But he said, I'm really retiring for the last time. And so in acknowledgement of the relationship that we had together, he gifted his stole to me as a visible reminder that he was passing on responsibility for this particular congregation because I was being appointed as their pastor. So I was transitioning from field ed student to pastor. He was transitioning from pastoring to his fourth retirement. Um, And in a way of acknowledging that, he passed on the mantle of pastoral leadership and authority. It's something that we often do in the life of congregations. And I brought with me today one of my favorites, I hope, um, that when pastor, so the previous pastor here was Pastor Jim Littleton. And Pastor Jim and I were best friends in divinity school. And so for us to be able to follow behind each other was really, you know, a, a unique experience in the appointed process in the United Methodist Church. But he had been gifted a stole that he wore his last week. And when I came in on that first um, Sunday of my appointment to preach, I think it was the second Sunday of July, part of the liturgy was taking up the mantle to lead this congregation. And um, I believe it was Brenda, who's not here, but her granddaughter had never been in church before, and we were inviting any of the kids to participate because there were all of these elements that we wanted to represent the work in the life of the church that included a globe that we are in mission in the world, a Bible that we were called to proclaim the word, a platinum chalice to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, a basin and a pitcher for baptism, all of these things. And, and one of the things that they did is I came and started without my soul on, and then this was placed on me as part of that service. 
Um, and, and so I was effectively taking on the mantle of leadership in this place. And that has been quite a journey because we're coming up on a two-year anniversary of that. Um, but this is obviously one of my favorites because I love you guys, but it also has that time stamp on it. And it makes me think about how we as individuals are also um, called to pass on the mantle, right? The mantle of instruction, the mantle of caring, the mantle of leading, the mantle of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And in the passing of that mantle to the next generation, I'm thinking about these young kids that are over here or the ones that are up in Boone right now, that we are passing on the mantle of proclaiming the good news of Jesus to them, that it will be them who will later share with others. And yet there is also this element of we can do it now, not in the future, but right now. And in that passing of the mantle and sharing God's holy power, we ourselves are transformed. We ourselves reveal the light of Christ in ways not experienced before. That is the beauty of Transfiguration Sunday. That we have this moment in time where we see And they experience the full revealing of the power of God in Jesus on that mountain. And sometimes we want to stay on that mountain because it's such an incredible experience. But the reality is you got to go down that mountain and keep walking to the next place, to the next place. Allowing the light of Christ to shine in and through you and for us to pass the mantle of that truth on to others. But the truth is we cannot do it on our own. We must tap in and rely upon God's holy power, the Holy Spirit, to strengthen and encourage us, to equip us, and to magnify the light of Christ into the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.